uh, we got church there, you probably know that, um, and uh, they've been out there working in the church and doing some stuff there, just come back, so that's an interesting connection, isn't it, Lesotho? Um, two groups of people need prayer this morning, England rugby supporters, <laughs> and Chelsea supporters, yeah, yeah. Oh. good isn't it? <laughs> yes, right, well... <laughs> I thought I'd get that out of the way. We're going to read this morning from uh, Isaiah 52. And uh, just uh, a few verses from the beginning of that passage. And then we'll, uh, we'll see where God takes us. Isaiah 52. And uh, I'm going to read just the first three verses and then verse 7. Awake! Awake, O Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off the dust, rise up, sit in throne, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains that are around your neck. Daughter, Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says, you were sold for nothing. And without money you will be redeemed. And just verse 7, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, to proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Hallelujah. That's something we have to constantly remind ourselves of, isn't it? We have to constantly remember our God reigns. Because when you look around, you sometimes might think that's not quite the case. Is that true? You know, when you look around the world, you see all the things are happening, you get despair, it can grip our hearts. And I think that's what had happened to the people of God at the time Isaiah wrote this prophetic book, which it is, the whole thing is very prophetic, speaking about the coming of the king and the rising up of the nation. And he's seeking to inspire them again and to encourage them again in who they are. Because they were surrounded by enemies. They were, they really got into a place where they weren't good either. You know, they got into despair and despondency and given up. Really? And uh, were not really following God as they should have done. They weren't doing the things they should have been doing. They were in a bad place. It was like they'd gone to sleep spiritually. And uh, the prophet brings this word, Awake! Awake, O Zion! And uh, I don't know whether you've got children, those of you that have, and you have to go into their bedroom in this morning and say, Awake! Awake! Get up! You've got to get to school or you've got to get to work. And, uh, you know, it's a difficult thing to do sometimes, get them out of bed. And it's, a, it's kind of almost aggressive, isn't it, in the way you do it. Come on, for goodness sake, get up! I can remember saying that um, a few times. I haven't said it for a few years because my kids left home a long time ago. But I know that they say it to their children. Come on, come on, we're going. Get up. (laughs) Well, it actually isn't aggressive in this context. Because God is not an aggressive God. It's a call to action. He's saying, come on, Zion. Don't you know who you are? That's basically what he's saying. Come on, wake up to the reality of who you are. You might not be in a particularly good situation at the moment, but just remember who you are. Wake up. And uh, I just believe that we're living in a, in a day when the church 
needs to wake up to who it is. And that's all of us. We need to remember who we are. In the context of what's going on in the world, we need to remember that actually we are not oppressed or pushed down as it would seem in certain places in the world. But actually we are the ones that are God's plan and purpose for the nations. It rests on our shoulders. And that seems a heavy thing to bear, but actually as we go through this one, you say, actually it's not at all. It's an exciting thing to know Amen. that we are those who God has called, God has chosen. So I'm going to split it up by just saying the first point I want to make is awake, O Zion, shake off the dust, free yourself from the chains that are around your neck. And I don't know whether you feel sometimes that you've got into a bit of a place where you feel weighed down, you're kind of under pressure, there's burdens upon you. That's the reality of life sometimes, isn't it? We, we come under pressure in all sorts of ways. Forget the rest of the world. You know, just look at my little world. That's bad enough. With all the difficulties, all the pressures, all the things that press in upon me. We can let that become the dominant thing. And we can almost be weighed down by it. And sometimes it's history. Your personal history. You know, how you were dealt with as a youngster by your parents. Things that were said to you. The way you perhaps didn't perform at school as you wanted to and the teachers weren't particularly kind to you. All sorts of things that can cause us to, in a sense, become weighed down and it's almost like internally we're becoming inactive. And uh, part of the passage talks about shaking off the dust. Shake off the dust, he says. Now, what's that all about? Well, in these days... If a person was feeling in despair, uh, he would sit on the floor in the dust and he would pick up the earth, the dirt, and stick it on his head. And he'd sit there putting it on his head, saying, woe is me, woe is me. He's got all this dust all over him because he's feeling in a bad place. Now, I'm not suggesting that we do that in the context of uh, our lives today. But we can do it in a spiritual sense. You know, that we sort of just get into the place where it's like we're picking up all the dirt and muck and putting it on our heads and saying, oh, it's just not worth it. You know, it's so difficult. Life is so, ugh. And I'm feeling just like, like that. And so that's why he says, shake off the dust, for goodness sake. He's saying to these Israelites that are all sitting in the dust, come on, shake off the dust. Wake up to who you are. Come on, shake it off. Clean it off. It's not you. To be like that. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this. This is what he says. Awake, O sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful how you live. Don't be unwise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So there's a sense, too, that when this call to wake up comes... There's an urgency to it. He's kind of saying, come on. You need to be recognising who you are because there's a job to be done. You know, make the most of every opportunity to serve God, to be who you are. And that God wants us to be that, that, those people that are living, in, in a sense, in anticipation 
of all that God wants to do. And he wants to do it through you. As an individual. It's not just for other people, it's for me. It's for you, it's for all of us. God wants to cause us to wake up to who we are, shake the dust off of all the things that easily get to us and we sort of walk around with it, covering our heads, and see, come on, I've got a job to be done. And actually, I can do it. And you know, you're not alone. Because if you go through the scriptures, you find all of those who God called were very similar to us. They were all being the same. You know, they were saying, woe is me, I can't do it, it's, I'm no good, and they were putting the old dust on their head, and you've got Gideon hiding away, and when God comes to him, he said, me, Lord, would you mean me? Yeah, I can't do anything, I'm nobody. So they were all in this position, and it's almost like the Spirit of God had to say to them, wake up, wake up! You're a child of God. You know, you can do it. And I'm not calling you to do it in your strength, but you can do it. And God will say to all of you this morning, wake up to who you are. Shake off the dust. All those things that happened to you in the past, that's not you now. Come on, you're a child of God. You've been cleaned and you're not that person anymore. You can be somebody for the purposes of God. You can be strong in God. Don't let the enemy rob you because of your past. And he will. You know, you go to do something and you, you fail. How many people have failed this week? Oh good, some honesty around here then, good. And so you could sit there and you say, oh, I blew it again today, let's get some dust. You know, cool. I'm just, it's not good, is it? And God's coming to you this morning and saying, come on, shake the dust off. That's, I came to use you, I love you, I've called you for my purpose. That can be sorted out. Don't let that dust be a tool in the hand of the enemy that can lie to you and say, come on, you are no good. Mm. And I might have said this before, but I love it, because somebody said it to me years ago, that whenever the devil comes to you and tells you of your past, just remind him about his future. (laughs) (laughs) And that's good, isn't it? Because he hasn't got a particularly nice future to look forward to. But we have. Hallelujah. We sang it this morning. The devil's defeated. Yes, absolutely. He's been cast down. He's just he's having a last fling right now. But it's all going to be finished. And we're the ones that are going to be reigning. You know, it says that in that one about how beautiful are the feet of those. Say to the people of Zion, your God reigns. And, you know, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves that in my despair at times, when I'm feeling like putting dust all over me, I need to say to us, come on, your God reigns. Your God reigns. When you're going through difficult situations, your God reigns. That is true. That's not trying to convince myself of anything. It's true. We're not uh, trying just to say nice things to make ourselves feel better. We're speaking truth. Awake, O sleeper. Rise, from the dead, Christ will shine on you. Hallelujah. Amen. Sitting in the ashes? No, we don't need to do that. Drinking the bitter cup. That was the other thing that they used to do. They would sit on the floor, they would put ashes on their head, and they would drink bitter cup. Just horrible, nasty stuff. They would drink it because that's what they felt they ought to do 
because they wanted them even worse. Well, the interesting thing is, you see, in the New Testament, we discover that Jesus took that bitter cup and drank it for us. We don't have to drink it. He's drunk it. And then when he drank it, he smashed it, because no one else would ever have to drink it again. He has drunk the bitter cup. Hallelujah. And defeated the enemy. It's not our cup to drink anymore. So this morning you may be sitting in the dust of sin. You may say, well, I've sinned. Well, you're in good company. But the point is you can be cleansed from your sin. If it's a sin that continually bugs you, you can be cleansed from your sin. That's the wonderful thing about the gospel. So when we sin, we come to him who died for our sin. And he cleanses us from our sin. Mm. Hallelujah. And if you've entered into sin this week, you can be cleansed, washed, forgiven. You don't have to sit in the dust of it. It may be regret. Things you wished you'd done. Well, again, we can't live in the past. We've got to say, no, it's a new day. There are things in my past I probably regret, but it's a new day. I don't have to live under the regret of what I should have done and what I may not, should not have done. You know, I met somebody just recently who became a Christian in prison. And he'd been in prison for 30 years because he'd killed six people. He was a, a hitman for an East End gang. And that's what he did. And he met Jesus in prison. And I was talking to him not long ago and saying, how do you live with that? You know, that's, he's got regret. He's li- he said, I just have to draw on the grace of God daily because I know what I did. But he doesn't live in the regret of it. He's living in the wonderful grace that God pours out upon us. We don't have to sit in the dust of regret. And disappointment. You know, things that you wished had happened or you thought were going to happen and they didn't and you're disappointed. We can Again, we can find that that becomes a burden upon us and a life from the enemy that robs us of all that God wants to do. What about self-pity? You know, I don't know about you, it's easy to get into that, isn't it? Oh, poor old me. You know, know, God doesn't care. David's often said it. The the servants of God in the Old Testament, you'll find many times, started to get into that place. And David, whenever he got there, he then began to say, but, but, come on David, stir up your soul and worship the Lord. Praise God. Mm -hmm. So he didn't allow himself to stay in that place of self-pity fear we sung about that this morning that we don't need to be in fear that things can happen in our lives that trigger fear in us and we live in this sort of dust of fear and we don't need to God wants to free you from fear it may be fear of people I can testify to that when I was a young man I wouldn't speak to people. I'd keep away from them. I wouldn't go near. When I married Eunice, 
and I had to make a telephone call, I would always make an excuse and get her to do it for me. I didn't want to talk to anyone on the phone. So when God called me to pastoral ministry, I thought, you must be joking. Me stand up in front of people, that's the worst thing you could ever call me to do. Well, here I am, 40 years later or whatever it is, uh, still doing it. Now, what's that all about? Well, I made a decision that I would allow God to deal with the fear of people. That doesn't mean I'm sort of confident about everybody. I still don't find it easy if I have to go and confront a situation. But I know I've got God's grace. And I don't have to sit in dust of fear. I can rise up, shake it off and say, no, I'm a child of God. I walk in the freedom. Failure. That's another dust of failure. We sit in it. And uh, who who has not failed? Somewhere in their life, in this room. Anyone going to be brave enough to put their hand up today? I doubt it. We've all failed. You know, I was an apprentice engineer. And I failed many times. When I was trying to do things on a lathe or on machinery, got it wrong. Whoops, that's another £5,000 I've just blown of the company's money. But how did I perfect my art as an engineer? By making mistakes. We all make mistakes in life, in our jobs. If you don't make a mistake, somebody said, you've never done anything. And in, in our Christian life, we make mistakes. And again, the Bible's wonderful because it's full of people who made mistakes. But God didn't write them off. He raised them up. He freed them, he released them, he forgave them. And they learned not to do that again. Fear, failure, unforgiveness. You know, people that have hurt us, they've done things against us, somewhere in the past maybe, somebody did something to you. And it's like you're still sitting in the dust and putting it on your head. Every now and again it comes back and you still do it because you haven't released forgiveness. And it's, I must say this, it's not easy to do that sometimes. But the grace of God says, come on, rise up, shake it off. I will enable you to forgive. Because if you don't forgive, you can't move on in God. You're you're paralysed. And it says there, doesn't it, that it's like free yourself from the chains that are around your neck. That every time the devil comes to us and causes us to remember those things and sit down in the dust again, it's like another link in the chain is put on it. And it builds, and it builds, and it builds. So you've got this chain that's getting longer and longer and longer because you're allowing the enemy to put another link in the chain around your neck. And one of the wonderful things about the Gospel is that Jesus broke that chain. We don't have to have it round us anymore. We've been freed. There's hurt... We could go on and on and on, couldn't we, with all these things? But I believe this morning that those ones that I particularly have read out are the ones that God wants to deal with in people this morning. He wants the church to be free in order to do the things that God has called us to do. To be fruitful. To be seen 
as those who are alive in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. God is on the move, people. And he wants us to be free in order to do it. So, how do we get out of it then? Well, the second part of this particular passage you read, that he says, clothe yourselves with strength. Put on your garments of splendour. In other words, we shake it off and we rise up. That's what it's saying. Shake it off, rise up. And then later on, which we'll get to in a minute, it says, sit enthroned. It's not just standing up, it's actually reigning in life through Jesus Christ. In Isaiah 61 it says, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed, arrayed, arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendour, it says in that passage. He has clothed us. It's not that we have to clothe ourselves. When it says put on, it's not a literal thing to put on. It's recognising what you have already got on. You put them on in your mind. You say, the truth is, I've been clothed, so I've got to put that on. Satan would constantly say to you, but that's not true. And you have to say, but look, I'm I'm clothed. I'm clothed in God's righteousness. Scripture says we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because he has strengthened us. It's not our strength. It's his strength. And again, in the scriptures, you go through the Bible and you find... God never chose anybody with their own natural strength. He always chose weak people so that they couldn't say they'd done it. He chose weak people with willing hearts and then he clothed them with his strength and with his righteousness. Before you were created, before you were born again, the Bible says you were naked. You exposed your nakedness before God and then he clothed you with the robes of righteousness. He put them on you. Satan knows they're on you. But he won't tell you that because he doesn't want you to believe it. God, on the other hand, sees it. And because he sees it, he doesn't see you naked anymore in your sin he sees you clothed with the righteousness that Jesus obtained when he died on the cross for us naked we were but clothed we are it says clothe yourself clothe yourself with strength and this is what uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesian church he said I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask, imagine, according to his power, that is at work in us. And then if you go to Isaiah chapter 40, 
which is a bit earlier than the one we've read, chapter 28, verse 28, this is what it says there. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he will not grow weary or tired, and his understanding has no limits. He gives strength to the weary, and increases power to the weak. Even youths grow weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Hallelujah. We can be renewed. Because it's his strength at work in us. He has clothed us with strength. He has clothed us with righteousness. We are right as we stand before him. Hallelujah. What an amazing passage this is. And I would encourage you to read it over and over again, you know, because sometimes we have to read things over and over again to get it. Because we forget it so easily. And there are times when, you know, I'm feeling weak, I'm going to go there, I'm going to say, no. You know, I'm going to wake myself up to the truth. Mm. I'm not going to sit here asleep. I'm awake in the truth that I am a child of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing can take that away from me. Yeah. And whatever Satan does, he cannot defeat me. I am clothed with his strength. Before God I am made righteous. It's nothing to do with me. It's his grace and his mercy that has accomplished it. And I'm going to rejoice in it. Hallelujah. And then he says, rise up. Sit enthroned in Ephesians we're told God raised us up with Christ and seated us in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus so it's not just that we can get on with life and worship and praise and exalt the Lord, it's actually our position is a heavenly position Christ sitting in heaven indicates the place of Ultimate victory, power, and rule. That's the place that he sits in. And we've been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. Which means that we have been set free and we reign in life because of what Jesus did on the cross. We reign. You can imagine that. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And again, that's not just a a nice idea. It's truth. That's what we're told in the word of God. We have been seated with him. And in Ephesians 3, I pray that out of his glorious riches, oh no, I've read that one, sorry, yeah, no I haven't. He will enable you to understand the immeasurably great power that is at working us. Why? Well, because it comes from the throne where Jesus is seated. That's the only place it can come from. And we're there. So that means that we have all that Jesus has. And I think sometimes as, as Christians we can't really believe that. It's difficult to believe it. It's truth. And I know it's true, but can I believe it? <coughs> you know, is, it not, is it not a bit boastful? 
to say that I have the power of Christ? Is it? Come on, you know, I'm just me. You know, I'm, not, I'm just me. Jesus was the Son of God. He, and I'm not, I'm just me. And I know what it says in the Bible, I know it says. But, no, not me. Oh yes, he's got it, I know that. But not me. Actually, yes, you. You're seated with him in heavenly places. It says in the Bible, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And what we have a tendency to do there is to say, I believe that. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Well, when Jesus sang it, he was saying it about you. <laughs> so you can say with absolute certainty, the same power that Jesus was raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Yes, of course it lives in everybody else, but it's in me. That power lives in me. You say, well, I don't see an awful lot of evidence for that. Well, wonder why that is then. Is it maybe because we don't really act on it? We don't really believe it. But it's a truth that we need to know. So that when you walk down the road, or you enter your place of work, or whatever you're doing, the power that is within you is the power of Christ. So whenever Jesus walked around in Israel in those, in those days when he was on earth, the power of God was with him. And he would say it, when he'd walk into a place say the kingdom of God's among you. He was confident about that. The rule of God, basically, he was saying, is, is here. And he would use that power to act and to do things. To heal the sick, to raise the dead, to speak words over people's lives. He would do that. Well, you can do that. It's gone quiet. You can do that. You can act with the power that raised Jesus from the dead. But it's not like um, a magic box. You can just use it as you feel like it. How do we how do we use it? Well, Jesus used it when the Father told him to use it. He spoke when the Father told him to speak. He went into one place where there were loads and loads and loads and loads of sick people. And he walked in and he spoke to one man and he picked him up and he healed him and then he walked out. And you think, well, I think, what about all those other sick people? Well, I don't know about that. All I do know is that Jesus just did what he was told. And he just did, and he was perfectly confident. He didn't go away thinking, well, I wonder why my father didn't tell me to heal all those others. He just did what the father told him to do. So once we've got hold of this truth that we have the same power living in us that, has, that lives in Jesus, we carry that with us. Amen. Then the next step is to make sure that we are constantly obedient and listening to the voice of the Spirit so that when he tells us to do something, we can do it and see God's power release. That may not be the biggest thing in the world. We're not called to worry about the outcome, we're just called to be obedient. Mm. And if we're constantly obedient, we will begin to see the power of God being released. 
And let's face it, how many of us are brave enough to do some of those things? Even if we've got through all this stuff about getting rid of the dust and all that and realising who we are and rising up and sitting enthroned, we're still people who are nervous about stuff. The disciples were just the same. They tried it and it didn't work. And Jesus had to correct them. And, and we'll, we'll go through that process of learning and getting it wrong and then finding, well, we've got that one wrong. Never mind, let's do it again. Don't give up. So, Eunice and myself, we, we, <coughs> we went to uh, have coffee, as we do a lot now, um, as we've got the time to do it. And uh, we went to a place called Café Rouge. Everybody's in court, well, that's posh. Uh, well, actually, it's not. Because uh, during the week, you can get a coffee and a pastry for two ninety five. That's cheaper than Costa's. <laughs> so we've been going to Cabby Roos every now and again in Chiselhurst. And we, we were in there one day, and the, one of the waiters we, we got to know a little bit, you know, he said, oh, hello, good to see you, sit down. And uh, I think he's Italian, because he sort of behaves like that. Hello, come and sit down. You know, that kind of stuff. And uh, I said to him, you weren't here the other day. He said, oh, back, really bad back, keeps going wrong. So, anyway, he went off. And I'd, I'd immediately thought, oh, maybe I should pray for him. And I thought, no, 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 no. So I was sitting there having a coffee. And he came over with another cup of coffee. And he put it down. He said, there you go. I said, I didn't order that. He said, no, I know, I just made it by mistake, so I thought you'd like it. <laughs> I said, oh, that's very kind. I said, tell you what, as you've done that for me, let me do something for you. How about I pray for your back? He said, yes, yes. So I said, um, I don't want to embarrass you because you're in a restaurant and there's lots of people in there. And, you know, I don't want to get you sacked. I said, but what I will do, I want you to come and sit in a chair and I'm going to lift your legs because I think you'll find your back's out of line. So he sits down and I prayed for his back and it went back into line. So he's going around going, oh, it's gone back, it's gone back. (laughs) Um, And so we left it at that. The next time I went in, I said, how's your back? He said, it's fine. He said, that trick you did was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. So I said, no, 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 it wasn't a trick. (laughs) I said, Jesus healed your back. Nothing to do with me. And it wasn't a trick. Because if it was a trick, how come your back's still healed? And he said, oh, good. So I gave him some literature about the church and all that, and I haven't seen him yet. But I just, I didn't, I did what I was told. God did what he wanted. Now, I don't know about the outcome, ultimately. Is that guy going to come to Christ? I don't know. But I did what I was told. And that's all we're called to do. And you'll find that when you do as you're told, amazing things can happen. Yes. But don't get disappointed if they don't. Just do as you're told. You know? And it's again going back to the beginning saying, come on, wake up. You carry the power of God in you. Just do as you're told. The time is coming, and I don't believe it's far away, when there's going to be an outpouring of supernatural activity. And it's almost like God saying, come on, get used to it. Get ready for it. Don't miss it. Because I'm coming. In power. So come on, church. Wake up. Shake off the dust. Don't don't let things from your past, don't let all that rubbish where you failed and got it wrong 
hinder you. Please don't do that. Come on, shake it off. Rise up. Remember who you are. Sit enthroned. You are a son, a child of the king. In fact, we don't. We think, oh, I've got to be humble as a child of God. And that's true, of course. We mustn't be boastful. But we can boast in who we are. Do you feel proud of who you are? You think, oh, no, I mustn't feel proud. Well, you can of who you are, not of yourself or boastful about yourself but you can boast in the Lord, in fact we're told to do that, let him who boasts it says in the scriptures, boast in the Lord so I'm going to say, yeah, I'm a child of God I mean, I guess uh, Prince Charles and all those royalty people don't have to boast who they are because everybody knows who they are but if they didn't, they may well do I mean, say, guess who I am, I'm a I, I'm a son of a king or the queen, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I am. Now, we can be proud of who we are. We can go to people and say, do you know what? I'm a son of the king. And uh, we may not say it out loud, but you need to be constantly reminding yourself, whoo I'm a son of the king. Not just the king of England or the queen of England or somewhere else in the world, but the king of glory. Amen. Glory, what an inheritance we've got. We're the sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I just want to finish with this other verse that I talked about there, which talks about beautiful feet. It's an unusual thing, isn't it? Have you got beautiful feet? Would you say your feet are beautiful? I'm not sure about mine. (laughs) So what does it mean when it says, how beautiful are the feet of those? Well, feet are used for walking, aren't they? They get you about. That's the point about feet. They move you from one place to the next. And it's really what it's saying is, listen, this gospel is for proclamation. It's for getting out there. It isn't for in here so that we can enjoy ourselves. Although we do and we will and we are. But it's for out there. We've got feet that take us to proclaim. How beautiful are the gospel are the feet of those who proclaim good news. We've got good news to proclaim. Wonderful news to proclaim. And I'll tell you what, I believe that the ears of the unbelievers are being opened to hear the good news. We just need to get ready to speak it. There are Muslims all over the world who are coming to Christ. You don't hear about that on the news. In fact, one family apparently that were coming out of Libya, coming across in the migration... That is a huge issue, as we know. They said to one of the aid workers that was helping them, we are now free to become Christians. That's what they said, we're free to become Christians. That's what they come out of oppression, now we're free to become Christians. Wow, how many more? So we don't need to take the gospel there, they're coming here. And Germany and, and, and. They're coming out. It's like they've been freed, released to be gospel receivers. And then what will happen? Well, eventually they'll go back, I guess. a lot of them. They'll take the good news back. You know, I think God's in all this, don't you? He's on the throne. You look at it and you think this is chaos. And God looks at it and says, this is a fantastic opportunity. There's people that you can tell the gospel to now that you couldn't possibly tell it to before. You wouldn't be able to go to God to Libya and preach the gospel, or Syria and preach the gospel, but you can now, because I'm bringing them out. 
so that you can preach the gospel to them and they can get saved. That's what God's doing. He's stirring up the nations. And I think there are many, many Muslims that are looking at what's going on in their religion and saying, this is not for me. There's something wrong here. And they're, they're seeking, they're searching for truth. They thought they found truth, but now they're realising this isn't right. This isn't how we should be. God is opening doors for the gospel. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who take to Zion, your God reigns. And notice that they're not saying to the people they're preaching the gospel to, your God reigns. It says, they say to Zion, your God reigns. And we need to be making sure, brothers and sisters, that we are proclaiming that to one another. It's words of encouragement. You know, when somebody's in a difficult situation, we need to be able to say to them, your God reigns. Your God reigns. It's, we need to hear it over and over again. Your God reigns. He's in charge. Your circumstances, your situation, your God reigns. He's at work in you. He's perfecting you. He's doing all sorts of things in you. Your God reigns. That is the truth. We live under the rule and the reign of our amazing Jesus. Hallelujah. So this morning you need a fresh touch from God. Maybe in your walk with God you've just gone to sleep a bit. You just, well you're a Christian. Yeah, that's fine. But actually you're not walking in it. You're not living in the good of it. You need to wake up. Know who you are. Live in the good of it. Enjoy it. Be a useful person for the purposes of God. You need to pick up the baton again. You know, you did run well. There was a time when you really were serving God, but then disappointment crept in and all sorts of things just, and you sort of put the baton down. You're still... Going to church, you're still serving God, sort of. You're still doing bits and pieces, but you're not really on fire for God. You put the baton down. And this morning you want to repent of that and pick it up again. Say, no, you know, my whole purpose for being alive is to serve the purposes of God. Hallelujah. That list I read earlier, about finding it, because I can't remember all those things that I read out. The dust of sin, regret, disappointment, self-pity, fear, failure, unforgiveness, hurt. God wants you to shake it off this morning. So I'm not having anything to do with that. I'm going to shake that off. I'm going to step into who I am. I'm not going to allow the devil to lie to me. Or trap me. Or keep me chained up. It's a horrible thing isn't it. To be chained up. In these things. It's not good. You want to be free. And I just feel this morning. God wants to set people free. To be who they are in God. To know his power. His presence. Let's stand in the presence of God.